This is Bruce. Tonight we have a special guest. This is Mike Larson. Mike did a recent demo of Bureau 13 at a local convention for him, and he's here to tell us all about how that went. Mike, tell us a little something about yourself. I'm a fairly big guy. You know, I stand about 6'11". I've been gaming since I was a teenager. And I just happened to come across this uh, small convention. Actually, it's not that local. It's actually in Vermont, and I live in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was quite a long ways to go. But my friends told me it was a good time, and, you know, it's like, actually, it was a pretty good time there. So you were visiting your friend when you did this? Uh, actually, I met him in Syracuse. He picked, he picked me up. So what convention was this? It's called Carnage. And is it a gaming convention? Yes. It's in uh, Fairleigh, Vermont, at Lake Moy Resort. How did you get introduced to Bureau 13? Actually, I read the Nick Pilata books first, and then someone told me there was an RPG, and I about dropped over. I said, there's just no way. Something, you know, it's just, it was just too, too good to be true. Right. A lot of people came in to introduction to our games by the Nick Pilata books. So we were uh, very happy to have made that connection with him and uh, to license him to do those because they were very popular. And uh, have you read the updated versions of them? I actually have a full and complete collection except for Brass and Steam, which is hopefully coming out soon, which I'm really excited about. Brass and Steam is coming out soon. Okay, so tell us about the adventures you ran uh, at Carnage. I did two. I'll start out with my first one. It's called Christmas in Billsburg. Team Road Monkey, it's a band, Bureau 13 team. They tour the country, and uh, Billsburg is their home base where they live. So their cover is that they are a band when they go from place to place. Yes. Okay. And this one's kind of different from my usual ones because usually they just go into like a place or like something happens in the town and they just go out and investigate. This time there's a week-long celebration in town and the team, since they're, you know, part of, of, of the community, I made them, you know, be part, you know, every day is a different event. So they had to take part, they had to participate on some level in those events. So how many players did you have? We had four for that one. Okay. So did they play just four characters or would they double up a couple of them? Actually, they only played four and I played like the NPCs. If they wanted me to play an extra character, I would have, you know, to help support. Okay. I mean, obviously this is a cover. What were the actual roles that these characters played? What were their primary skill sets for the characters that the players played? We had like a were creature. What kind of a wear was it? Ape. Wear it. Okay. Was it one that could control its turning? Yes, he could. Yes, those are the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, one of the few. Yeah, so it's very rare. <laughs> and then the other agents were pretty much, you know, there's like one guy who was really good at driving stuff, but he was really a bad driver. So he was like the transport guy. And the other gentleman was really good with uh, occult skills and stuff like that. I know there's other agents in the group, like uh, the roadie, who is also a member of the traveling team, but there's also two members of the team that are based out of the town, and one is actually a liger. He's a what? A liger. What's that? A liger is like a cross between a tiger and a lion. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I never heard that term before. This one has human intelligence and speech, but that's also its secret. So, so what was the scenario? What had happened the night before all the festivities started in Billsburg, 
one of Santa's elves came to them and told them that six renegade toys had escaped prison from the North Pole and had made their way to Billsburg. And Santa was requesting that they either dispose of them or capture them and return them or hold them till Santa got there and could pick them up. So were these from the Island of Misfit toys or were they actually toys from Santa's workshop? These were toys from Santa's workshop had gone horribly wrong and they were in prison because he didn't want to dispose of them himself. So he like made a prison for them at the North Pole. So how'd it go? It went really well. You know, it's like, because like I said, I hardly ever run where they have to like, you know, be part of the community or do any of these special events because it was like a snowball fight one night they had to partake of. And there was a Christmas pageant where one of the team members had to go, you know, take a turn on the catwalk and, you know, present themselves. And there was another one of high tea where every, well, everyone from the community or whoever could make it came to their house. They had to entertain while the others were out, you know, trying to find these misfit toys. So it's really was a good time to watch them, you know, sweat bullets as far as like, you know, trying to keep their identities, you know, who they actually really are away from like the normal populace and still try and, you know, accomplish the mission. It was really fun to watch them. And did they accomplish the mission? Yes, they did. Well, they completed the mission, so they all felt really good about the demo, right? Yes, they did. Did any of them buy the product? Pointed them in the direction of where to get the products. I didn't have any products to give out. Did we send you a uh, gift certificate or anything to give these people? I contacted Richard Colcha, but I think it was at the time where he had a out with an illness and was in the hospital, so he couldn't get back to me right away. Okay. All right, that's too bad, because we do provide uh, convention prizes for people that run demos at other conventions for our products. You know, Usually we give out a gift certificate that's basically enough that you can buy any one item off our website, which includes any of our games, either you know, past, present, any of the stellar game line, uh, which would include the whole nightlife system. Anyways, we, we have lots of, of stuff that people can buy, and it, it seems to be a pretty good prize for people to get at our demos. So did you just do the one demo? No, I actually did two. Okay. And was the second one a different adventure? Yes, it was. Did you have any final thoughts about your running the first one? Anything that uh, you'd do differently if you had a second chance at it? Oh, no. I enjoy letting them be part of the community because then they don't have to like sneak around and not have any other obligation. So it's kind of like gives a, gives a depth to the role playing. Mm-hmm. So they have to like interact with people instead of just intimidating or questioning. It's like, I have to entertain, not just being a band and be a, be a member of the community. So that's really fun for me. It's just like, ha ha ha, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I'm glad that worked out so well for you. So tell us about your second adventure. It was called Double Shot of Doom. It was kind of a two-part mission. The first part was they actually had to go to this warehouse where this certain drug called Green Train was being made. And it was just a high-powered drug they thought had supernatural properties, as in, like, really highly addictive and highly hallucinogenic and possibly kill after one use. The difference in this one is, like, they picked out the team. They had, like, four of the teams to pick from. They picked one, and then... I had them take a little break and I set it up to where like they were just going to break in. So once they sat down again, all the members were set up to go. What was the first thing that they had to do? First thing they had to do was to take down the people inside the warehouse. Okay. 
and that was all dependent on where they were set up at. So it sounds like this one was a lot more combat-oriented than your previous one. Oh, yes. Okay. And did they get uh, they get to play with a lot of toys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had plenty of toys at their disposal. Since you're such a big fan of uh, Nick Pilata's uh, books, I wondered if you might have used the uh, Assault Cannon by any chance. No, I did not. Well, that's understandable. It's... <laughs> It's kind of a signature piece for him, and it does have a tendency to demolish any structure it's in. And they didn't want to blow it up because they didn't know if the drugs were being cooked there. They know the drugs were coming out of there, so it's kind of like a highly explosive area, you know, just to just to wantonly blow up a you know warehouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending upon where the warehouse is, that could be really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to start a fire that's going to take down the entire you know division of the city. Yeah. And it was in L.A. Depending upon where it was, there could be a lot of really at-risk buildings around it. For sure. Did they use any special tactics to get the drop on these guys? The team they chose was Team Santa Claus. And the main guy who runs it is Nicodemus Santa Claus, a uh, younger brother of Santa Claus. Uh-huh. He had a fairly high level of illusionary magic. Uh-huh. And he, like, turned a couple of them invisible. And there was another guy who looked like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So he was like the combat-orientated guy, you know, that guy. He was the brick. So, yeah, when they broke in, they had a little bit of a surprise. I actually threw in a werewolf and a shapeshifter, plus uh, three other regular criminals. Uh-huh. And the one werewolf, he could control his changing, but he was pretty much animalistic once he turned. That could be bad for the other side, too, I imagine. Yeah, was a shapeshift. He could change rudimentary size and shape, but you pretty had to keep the same mass. And then the three other criminals that were in there, you know. Yeah, they had quite a tough time with that. But they made it through all right, I think. You know, a few bumps and bruises, a few scrapes. So I gather they successfully completed that mission, too. Yes. They actually managed to capture one criminal, regular criminal, and try to get some information out of him. They didn't get anything new from him. And then they called the cleanup team, and after they secured the perimeter, the cleanup team showed up, and they were on their merry way to the second part of the adventure. The second part of the adventure was what? Well, when they got the call, they were just told to go to Monterey, which is north of L.A., quite a ways. And supposedly there was, like, some meteors that were going to strike water in that area. They just wanted to make sure that nothing was funny was going to happen and make sure everything was all right. And when they showed up, they seen a meteor strike, and then not long after, there was four more meteor strikes. So they had to secure the area, help out any civilians. I, I gather the meteor strikes were supernatural in some way? Actually, it was an alien invasion, a small one. Did the men in black show up? Well, the Team Santa Claus was there. <laughs> they showed up. It's just that the men in black are, uh, you know, they, they sort of have first dibs on alien incursions. So a lot of people, when they have alien incursion adventures with Bureau 13, at some point will throw the men in black into the mix. Oh, no, that's what the Bureau's for. They're the men in black. <laughs> for me. Okay. And so as this was happening, you know, they were helping out the civilians. The party of like 10 humanoid-looking aliens come up out of the water in battle armor. And then one whale, large whale-looking creature with on legs also plotted on. In the back of the Bureau 13 book, there's a list of contacts and information and stuff like that. I let them, you know, call upon whoever they might need because that would be pertinent information to them. Sure. One of them thought it'd be a really good thing to call J.P. Withers, thinking they were outgunned by these, you know, aliens. 
okay. <laughs> That's never a good idea. Don't you know that? <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. They don't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can call him. Go ahead. Feel free. <laughs> of course, I've deleted a bunch of information so they wouldn't know how dangerous he actually was. Uh-huh. And he was the only guy they could have called upon. So the rosy crustaceans weren't answering their telephone, huh? They didn't seem like any sort of combat-orientated individuals, so they didn't feel they had to call them. Okay. J.P. Withers, he shows up in all his explosive devices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he divvies out the heavy equipment, you know, RPGs, rocket launchers, many sticks of dynamite. No fuel air bombs? Oh, no, he didn't have that for his small vehicle. I don't think he could have, could have fit that in there. <laughs> no, probably not. And then the combat ensued. Actually, I want to point out something that the team they chose, it was actually kind of funny because the guy who was like the commando type guy, the Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, actually had a high-pitched voice uh-huh. and a phobia of the ocean and everything in them. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny that they chose that team out of random because they're just manila folders. No one had any idea. So I thought that was kind of funny. And they also had an alien with them that was, that was also a member of the team. Mm-hmm. He's rudimentally a three-dimensional hologram. Okay. He looks human. But he can't do much else because everything disrupts him. Anything that passes through his body disrupts him. So he couldn't get close to the water or any other sort of combat, nor could the other guy. He failed miserably numerous times to collect himself and, you know, go forward. But he just couldn't do it. The dice rolls just weren't there. But I gather that the explosives made up the difference, huh? Oh, yes. by all, Yeah, and then in between JP, you know, had a little talk with them about the wonderfulness of dynamite and also heavy explosives. Yes, he doesn't believe that once you pull the pin on the grenade, Mr. Grenade isn't your friend anymore. He thinks he's still your friend. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. (laughs) All right, well, that's great. I'm so glad that you did that. We just love to hear how people are running our games at conventions all over the country. And Peter and Trav and and John and I all ran various demos at Dragon Con and Gen Con and all and up in uh, Conclave and other type of things up in Michigan. We're real happy to hear that you're taking care of the Northeast like that for us. And we want all our listeners to know that if you want to run convention demos of our games, we would be glad to support you, and we would certainly want to give you as much uh, promotion as we can so you can get as many players as you'd like. Mm-hmm. So thanks again, Mike, for telling us all about this. We hope that you're going to continue to do this because it sounds like you had a really good time. Oh, yeah. I've been a fan of this RPG for years, ever since the books came out and I found out about the RPG. I'm not going to not be a fan anytime soon here. <laughs> you're uh, waiting with bated breath for our Savage Worlds edition. Yeah, for Brass's theme, for sure. That's Now it'll complete my collection again. <laughs> We're coming out with the Fringeworthy Savage Worlds edition this year, and we'll be doing the Bureau 13 version probably pretty quick after that. Oh, cool. may not get out in 2013, but it should be out in 2014. Hmm, excellent. At the, at the latest. <laughs> so thanks again, Mike. Thanks for giving us the time to report on your demos, and we wish you the best. Well, you're welcome. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. 
you are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Year 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at TritagGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Hero 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.